All right, well, we are continuing on in this series called It's Worth It. And we've been reminded that while Jesus' death on the cross was by far the highest price ever paid in all the universe, in all of time, God was willing to pay it because it was worth it. Because now anybody, anywhere, by the work of the Holy Spirit and through faith can enjoy his gifts of grace and forgiveness and a blessing-filled relationship with him. Through this series, we've also been, uh, we've also become aware of God's mission for us, what it is that God wants us to do um, for us as a congregation with our unique DNA, our unique ministries. And we've learned that God is calling us to help people exchange everyday life for contagious Christian community. To help people uh, take a life that is sometimes routine and sometimes painful and sometimes even lacking purpose and exchange that for contagious Christian community. Uh, a community of Christians like yourselves who are going to love them and encourage them and, and support them and serve them. Where they in turn become contagious, if you will, and love, encourage, support and serve even more people. And in this series, we've learned that this is a good exchange. This is a good deal for someone to make. This is a, this is a good idea. And it's worth it. Along with the what, however, we've also learned why. Why is it that we should help people exchange everyday life for contagious Christian community? And the reason why is because God offers a love worth demonstrating, a journey worth walking, a truth worth holding, a message worth sharing, and a joy worth living. And in our very first installment, we looked at how God offers a love worth demonstrating, how he demonstrated his love to us in Jesus and how that is really a love that should be demonstrated, how we should be demonstrating that love to the people around us, classmates, co-workers, neighbors, complete strangers, everyone. In week two, we learned how God offers us a journey worth walking uh, and because that this, this this is a lifelong journey as God leads and guides us, a life of a lifelong journey of love and and service toward others and spiritual growth, this really is a journey worth walking. In week three, we learned how God offers us a truth worth holding. And last week, Pastor Harris was here and it reminded us that God's word has the capacity to eradicate guilt, jumpstart faith and transform lives. So, yeah, this really is a truth worth holding. Today, we're going to look at how God offers us a message worth sharing. Uh, before I get going, though, I just need to share with you that I've discovered that when it comes to learning something new, it helps for me to, to grasp the core concept of what it is I'm trying to learn. For example, my, uh, when I was a kid, my younger brother and my dad and I, we would go to the Cleveland Air Show since we grew up in this area uh, on uh, the, the uh, Burke Lakefront Airport. Any of you go to the Cleveland Air Show there? Yeah, it's a fun place to go. And as a kid, little kid, I was always just amazed that these huge metal machines could be up in the air. How does that happen? And for a long time, I was confused by that until I realized that speed or thrust and lift defeat gravity and drag. And once I was able to understand that core concept, I understood flight. 
I share that with you because I'm absolutely convinced that if you can understand the core concept of Christianity, that it is it flows out of God's love for all people in Jesus Christ, that not only will you want to cling to it yourself, but you'll see it for what it really is, a message worth sharing. Now, before I can start, there are a couple of key words I need to lay out for you so that you can help understand this whole core concept of Christianity. The first key word is the word atonement. Atonement is satisfying the demands of justice after a crime has been committed. Hey, that's atonement. So if you are pulled over for speeding, you will atone for that violation by paying a fine. If you are arrested for burglary, you will atone for that violation by spending some time in jail. But that's atonement. Atonement is satisfying the demands of justice after a crime has been committed. Second key word you need to understand is the word substitution. Substitution is a more familiar word. That's, of course, taking the place of another. So... You know, when a football team, when a, when a player on a football team gets tired or injured, he goes off the field and another player takes his place and is his substitute, right? Or if your child or grandchild's teacher gets sick and has to stay home, another teacher comes in and takes their place and is their substitute. That's substitution. Substitution is taking the place of another. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to take those two words and make a term out of it. The term is substitutionary atonement. Substitutionary atonement, as you can see, is when someone takes the place of another substitute and satisfies the demands of justice for a crime that has been committed. Atonement. Okay, that statement right there, that is the core concept of Christianity right there. Now, to illustrate how all of this plays into your life and Christian faith, What I'd like to do is go all the way back to the beginning of time in the book of Genesis after God has just created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he basically says to them, I have breathed life into you. I love you and I want a relationship with you. Now, let me press the pause button there. And I would really like to ask you to take out your worship folder. And if you haven't done it yet, turn to the inside back cover to your sermon outline. There you will see this blank space. And I want to invite you to join me in drawing out a diagram. It's a simple diagram. But it's a diagram that will show you um, just not only how God loves you, but the fact that he wants a relationship with you. Okay, And because this is a message worth sharing. And because I want you to remember this message that is worth sharing, please get out a pen or a pencil or a crayon or whatever and and just draw it out with me. Okay? and here's why. Here's the goal. Someday you may have the opportunity to draw out this diagram for somebody else. And that'll be amazing. And, And this is a simple diagram. Again, you can draw this on the back of a napkin. You can draw this on on a post-it note or on a little scrap of paper. You can draw it on your hand if you want to. Okay, it's uh, it, it is just a simple diagram. But I would love for you to draw this out with me as we work through this, so that you will not only be able to grasp this core concept of Christianity yourself, but you'll see it for what it is—a message worth sharing. 
Okay, so right off the bat, if you have your, your sermon outline out, here's what I'd like you to do. On both ends of that page, I'd like you to write out these two words, us and God. Write out the words us and God to represent, again, God back at the beginning of time, basically saying to Adam and Eve, I love you and I want a relationship with you, but I am a holy and just God. And if you violate my laws, you need to understand that the life that I have breathed into you is going to come to an end. You're going to die. And you are going to be eternally separated from me. And you can read about this whole conversation in Genesis chapter 2. And if you want, you can continue to read in Genesis chapter 3 because that's where things just fall apart. Adam and Eve are tempted by the devil and they commit this crime of disobedience against God. So to represent that, here's what I'd like you to draw on your outline, on that little space, that diagram. These two lines that create this separation now, this chasm that exists between us and God caused by sin. So God's beautiful design for the universe, boom, just like that, is completely destroyed. All of creation is wondering, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? Is God going to strike Adam and Eve dead? Or is he going to just let it slide? What is he going to do? Well, because God is a loving God, he does not strike Adam and Eve dead. But because God is also a just God, he can't just let it slide either. So what does God do? He does three things. Number one, he tells Adam and Eve that sin is now in the world. Sin has polluted every nook and cranny of this planet, which means... That work is going to be difficult. Relationships are going to be complicated. And your body is going to get tired or worn out and eventually die. Second thing God does is he explains that people who rebel against him will pay. They will have to atone for their crimes of rebellion against God. The crimes of disobedience against God. And it'll happen not just in this life. It'll happen for all eternity in a very real place called hell. Not the cartoony hell, but a very real place of pain and suffering and grief and regret and punishment. Okay, so just understand that's, that's a, sin is a very serious thing. And again, because God is a holy and just God, he, he has to, uh, he, he can't just let sin slide. He can't let it go unpunished. But he also has a heart filled with love for every person on this planet. So while God, while God couldn't stand the thought of Adam and Eve having to pay or atone for their crimes of rebellion committed against him for the rest of their lives, as well as for all eternity separated from him, He also knew there was nothing that Adam and Eve could do to restore that relationship, to fix the mess that they just made. God understood there was no way on earth that they could cross that chasm of sin and be restored in a relationship with him on their own. And that's this. This is the next part I want you to draw in your diagram. Because none of us can. Our best efforts are always going to fall short in trying to get back into a relationship with God. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd just like you to draw these arrows that just kind of fall short. They just represent falling short. Okay? Draw those out. Now, as I mentioned, God is a just God. He has to punish sin and disobedience. That punishment is called death. Physical death someday, we're all going to die, 
but also spiritual death. And by that, I mean eternal separation from God in this real place called hell. So here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to draw the word, or write out the word death at the bottom of that chasm. Because that's now the reality. That is now the reality we face. Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin is, what's the word? Death. That's the reality. So what does God do? Third thing that God does for Adam and Eve is just crazy. It's amazing. He covers their nakedness. And in Genesis 3, verse 21, you can read how he does that. Would you read this verse with me, please? The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Okay, in that verse, you see the first glimpse of substitutionary atonement. Okay, where a substitute pays for the crimes that have been committed. Adam and Eve are cringing in nakedness and shame and guilt. And what does God do? He covers their nakedness with an animal skin. So some innocent animal dies as the substitute to pay for their crimes committed of rebellion committed against God. Okay, that's substitutionary atonement. In other words, um, God has taken this incredible step toward restoring mankind back to him. Now, over the next couple of years, a sacrificial system takes place and um, you will see uh, sac- um, you'll see this whole it, it revolves around this whole idea of substitutionary atonement where a, a lamb is sacrificed and the priest assures the people your sins are covered. They are atoned. They have been paid. And then a guy by the name of Isaiah, a prophet named Isaiah comes onto the scene and he says this. Let's read this together. Isaiah 53 verses 5 and 6. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So then you fast forward 700 more years. And in a little town called Bethlehem, a baby is born and is given the name Jesus. 30 years later, Jesus was walking along and a guy by the name of John the Baptist is preaching. He sees Jesus, stops, looks, points at Jesus and he says this in John 1.29. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In other words, everybody, everybody, hey, give, let me, look at me. See that guy right there? He is, he's the guy. That's the guy that, that, that Isaiah was talking about. He's going to be the unblemished Lamb that will serve as the ultimate substitute for all people. He's the guy that t- hundreds of thousands of sacrificed lambs have been foreshadowing over these years. And during his earthly ministry, Jesus says, yep, that's why I'm here. I did not come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I am the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And sure enough, after living this perfect, unblemished life, Jesus is arrested, he's beaten, he's nailed to a cross on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And as he's hanging there with his life ebbing away, he says three powerful words. It is finished. In other words, I have made atonement for you. I have paid for your sin. And to show this on your little diagram, 
draw a cross to show how Jesus died to pay or to atone for your sin. Now, clearly, we don't deserve to have God step in and be our substitute and pay for our sin. Clearly, we are the guilty ones. We're the ones that messed up. We should be the ones paying, right? We are the ones who hated when we should have loved. We're the ones who lied when we should have told the truth. We're the ones who tore down when we should have been building up. We're the ones who were greedy and selfish when we should have been giving and generous. So if anybody should have been paying this penalty for the crimes that have been committed against God, it should be us. But John 3.16, God so loved the world, right? So even though God is holy and just, and even though we are just dripping with the filth of sin, yuck, God so loved the world. That instead of us having to pay the, the penalty for the crimes that we've committed, Jesus paid it for us. Wow. And to represent that, go ahead and just cross that word death right out. Just, just cross that thing out. The ugly word. Jesus, as our substitute, stepped in and took our place. And he then paid the price. He satisfied the demands of justice so that we... Okay, the guilty party could go free so that we could be forgiven so that this is the best part. We could stand blameless before a holy God. Wow. That's substitutionary atonement. And here's why this is a message that is worth sharing. No other religion on the planet. Okay, every other religion in the world, they revolve around this core idea that you have to somehow pay the penalty for your sin yourself. Christianity says it can't happen. You can't do it. Christianity says, no, God stepped in and took your place. God paid the penalty so that you, the guilty party, could go free. And so the result is you have two options. Okay, you have two options. One option is you atone for yourself. And you can do that. You can say, I feel lucky. I'm going to take the chance. I think I've lived a pretty good life. You can say that. I guarantee, though, it won't even be a second in the brilliance of God's holiness when you'll say, I made a mistake. And and you will quickly realize you will quickly realize that you have to take the hit. That you have to atone or pay for all of those crimes of rebellion committed against God forever in this place called hell. So that is an option. It's, you can take that one or option two, trust Jesus to atone for you. Right? In the Spirit's power, you believe that Jesus, out of love, stepped and took the hit atoned for your sins so that you can be forgiven, adopted into God's family and have the promise of an eternity with him in heaven. That's option two. And so here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to draw this out in your diagram. I'd like you to draw a stick figure on the left over on the, you know, us side and then an arrow that's moving over the cross to the God side and draw another stick figure to represent the same person who by the Spirit's power and faith is brought over and back into a relationship with God. That is the core concept of Christianity. 
And it all revolves around this whole idea, again, of substitutionary atonement. Where Jesus steps in, takes our place, and he then pays the penalty so that we, the guilty parties, could go free. Thanks be to God. And because of that freedom that we enjoy, God says, I want other people to enjoy that as well. I want you to share that. It's a message worth sharing. And there are many ways by which you can share this message. Maybe it's just, like I said, drawing out that diagram for somebody. Maybe it's just uh, a message that you share um, as you love someone else. And a great example was captured in a video clip that has since gone viral. It's a video clip of the closing arguments of Botham Jean's younger brother, Brant. I don't know if you're familiar with Botham Jean, but about a year ago, in Dallas, an off-duty police officer, Amber Geiger, accidentally entered into his apartment thinking it was her own. And seeing both of them there, she thought he was an intruder. She shot and killed him. Two weeks ago, she was sentenced to 10 years in prison for doing that. But it was the closing arguments afterwards of Botham's younger brother, 18-year-old Brandt, that I want to look at with you today. Because it just captures everything that we're talking about here. That it's a message worth sharing. Let's watch. I hope you go to God with all what all the guilt if you truly are sorry I know I can speak for myself I I forgive you and I know if you go to God and ask him he will forgive you I don't even want you to go to jail I want the best for you and the best would be give your life to Christ. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. Wow. That young man got it. He understood that God's love and forgiveness is a message worth sharing. I just want you to understand, you will have opportunities as well to share this core concept of Christianity that revolves around this whole idea of substitutionary atonement. And just to help you with that, I'd like to share with you a couple of key practices. Now, you may recall that through this series, we've shared with you four key practices. And, and if you haven't yet, you can certainly pick up one of these little stickers that has the four key practices printed out on, um, on it for you. Um, these four key practices are things that which you want to orient your whole life, your, your each day of every week. How am I doing 
Each day, just say, how am I doing connecting with God? That's the first one. How am I doing following his lead? Am I following God's wisdom? Am I making wise choices? How am I doing loving other people? Um, am I looking for people to love? Am I actively being on the lookout for people? Fourth, how am I at restoring relationships that have been damaged and broken? How am I doing? And that's something we want to just ask ourselves again and again. And if you haven't picked up one of these stickers, there's still some available in the lobby area. Just turn left. There's our ministry spotlight table. They're in a little basket. And you can also pick up one of these cool little keychain things that has our our, uh, logo on the front and on the back side. It says it's worth it. Just to remind you that what God is calling us to do is worth it. But again, just to help you when it comes to to sharing this message. Let me offer a couple, not all four, but three of those four key practices for you to work on this week. First, I want to challenge you to connect with God by reading Genesis 3 and Isaiah 53. Genesis 3 is the whole story of Adam and Eve's crime of disobedience against God in the Garden of Eden. Isaiah 53, which is, you read just two verses of it, it's a short chapter, but it's a great, great chapter of, of God's promise of the coming Savior who will provide us with substitutionary atonement. Connect with God this week. Take just some time and read those two chapters. Second, I'm going to challenge you to love others, to look for opportunities to share that message. And maybe it's not drawing out that diagram. Maybe it's some other way. But there are people around you who need to know the love of God for them in Jesus Christ. And he puts you into that environment to touch them, to to impact them, to relate to them, to share that message with them. And, And again, you can use that diagram if it'll help. Third, restore relationships by forgiving others. Brant Jean forgave Amber Geiger. Wow. If you have a relationship that's damaged and needs reconciling, be quick to forgive just as God has forgiven you. That's the core concept of Christianity. Okay, do it because it's worth it, right? Do it because this is a message that really is worth sharing. All right, would you pray with me, please? Father, I thank you for this series and How you are working in our hearts right now. All of us in this place. Thank you for Jesus and for his forgiveness and sacrifice. Thank you for your love and grace for each and every one of us here and for all people everywhere. By your spirit's power. Help us to not only cling to this core concept of Christianity ourselves. This whole idea of substitutionary atonement. But help us to understand and see that it is a message that really is worth sharing. We love you, God. And we pray all this in the great name of your son, Jesus. Amen.